0: Welcome to So You Want to Be a Witch, the podcast for soul-centered entrepreneurs and the people who love them. Welcome back to So You Want to Be a Witch, the podcast for soul-centered entrepreneurs and the people who love them. I'm your host, Sarah M. Chapel. Today, we are talking about how to stay true to your vision as you scale your business. Before we dive in, I want to make sure that you know right at the top of this, that if you are an established business owner, that means you have stuff, you make sales, you worked with customers and clients, and you are looking to scale, to get out of that one-to-one hustle mode, the always be selling, the the trading time for money, and start to create or or reiterate on a scalable offer like a course, a membership site, a group program, or a high-end one-on-one program of some kind, then the Holistic Business Incubator is for you, and it is open right now. (laughs) Registration is open through Sunday the 21st. This cohort starts on March 1st. It'll prepare you to launch your scalable sales system and your scalable offer in May. Y'all, this is the most intimate way to work with me right now. It is a small group program where we move through idea to scalable sales system. In just 90 days, you will learn how to use beta testing, live launching, and even, yes, evergreen funnels, everyone's favorite thing, to create a scalable sales system that is personalized to you and your business and your needs and your energy levels. It is a truly holistic approach to crafting a scalable business. So head on over to holisticbusinessacademy.com forward slash incubator if you want to learn more. Again, registration closes on February 21st. That is Sunday, just a few days after this comes out. Um, So I don't want you to miss that. Go, go check it out. And since we're talking about scaling here, that's kind of been our topic for the past few weeks in preparation for uh, launching the incubator um, and inviting you all to join me there. We need to talk about vision. Because there's this really funny, interesting, tricksy thing that starts to happen as your business grows. And that's that all of a sudden, a lot of people have opinions about your vision. In some ways it's easier to be true to ourselves at the beginning of our business because no one fucking cares yet no one's looking at what you're doing no one um, is giving you any feedback your initial customers and clients are probably friends and family and friends of friends and and the circle is kind of small um, you might be getting feedback but it's probably positive and, and supportive even right And because you're creating new things, you're creating a new business everything is new everything is innovative to you everything is interesting and exciting and, and challenging but, it, but it's all new. As you scale your business, we, we start to settle into some habits and patterns. We start to actually shift out of always making new things and into reiterating things. And we start to have a wider and wider sphere of people who are, well, interested in what we're doing. <laughs> so what does that mean for us in a practical sense? that our vision for our business, our actual goal for where we're going with our work can start to get confused. So there are two pieces to maintaining your vision as you scale your business. The first is boundaries, Mm, fun, tasty boundaries. And the second is your actual creation cycle in your work. And I wanna talk about both of those today because I think they're both really important. Let's start with boundaries. (laughs) If you are a small business owner, as you probably are if you're listening to this, chances are your boundaries have been invaded. It is so much easier as extremely small business owners, especially when we're using things like social media and email and Instagram to talk with our customers for people to cross lines, for people to feel as if they have an assumed intimacy with you, that they have a, that they know you in some way and they can tell you whatever the fuck they want. Sometimes we actually solicit feedback and we get feedback that also feels like it crosses boundaries. The first step here is to have a clear way to deal with feedback, both that that you are soliciting and that that you are not soliciting. And then we'll talk about the creation cycle and when to be using feedback and when to not be using feedback. The first step is to recognize that people who comment on your Instagram ads, for example, um, according to them, I am a very terrible person, it turns out, um, people who just DM you that you've never engaged with, people who have never purchased from you and want to tell you things, or people who have purchased from you and then, um, do something kind of shitty to you, right? It happens. Um, that those are not people to be taking, uh, feedback from, (laughs) like full stop. Strangers on the internet are actually not the people to take feedback from. That's just like step one, (laughs) Uh, it can be hard to hard to like remember that that random people on the internet don't actually get to tell you what to do with your business, and that they don't know you, that they don't get to have a say in in what you're making or how you're making it. So how do we manage that? First of all, if you are at a place where you're scaling, you might want to start to look at um, either getting some help with your inbox. I've mentioned this before, not Answering support emails is um, a really fantastic thing to get yourself out of if you're, if you're the creative person in your business. Not because that, you know, that work is totally fine, but if you have to be making new things, then seeing the feedback all the time is probably not going to be helping you. But also to recognize that like you don't owe strangers on the internet anything. You actually don't. And it's hard. It feels like we do sometimes. People are very insistent that we do. Um, people treat us as though, you know, because we are public in some way that they they own us or have some right to say whatever they want. And I guess they can say whatever they want, but you don't have to listen. So I'd love for you, like you can, you can pause this right now or do this later, but to write down ways in the past that essentially strangers on the internet have crossed your boundaries when it comes to your business. See if you can notice any patterns of behavior in yourself and how you've responded or or not responded. Uh, So for example, I did something really wild recently, which is that somebody sent me an email. They got my personal email address. They sent me an email and I didn't respond. I know that sounds really simple, but for many years in my business, I compulsively responded to anybody who emailed me. I felt as if the simple fact that they had my email address meant that I had to respond in some way and that that I owed it to them that I would be in trouble. And sometimes, you know, people have emailed me things that were not very nice, people have emailed me things that were not true, people have also just emailed me things that were inappropriate and boundary crossing, and I always responded. Um, I stopped, <laughs> I stopped doing that, <laughs> right? I noticed that pattern of behavior where I was opening my email and I was so terrified to see what was there because of the fact that I am a somewhat public figure and people can find my email address, it's a harder to find now. I took it down. You actually can't find my email address almost anywhere anymore. You can find the company email address, but my, like, you can't email me directly anymore. I needed some boundaries, right? And I noticed that pattern of behavior where I was using my inbox as, as a barometer for my level of like, like success as a human, really. So I stopped. Another thing would be Instagram DMs, right? I don't respond to every DM anymore. Um, I, I try to I try to from like a politeness place for sure. But if somebody is asking me something that's inappropriate, if someone is asking me for free shit, I might give a quick response, but I don't continue to engage. Okay. So what are your boundaries and what are the habits you currently have around those? Because I know we're talking, this sounds like a very micro thing, but when we're talking about business vision, Every single connection of input in your life, in your business, really, um, can start to kind of tweak the vision, can start to create the self-doubt and saying, oh, I don't really know what I'm doing. If I were really good, wouldn't people not write terrible things on my Facebook ads? And the answer is no. They will always write terrible things on your Facebook ads, right? I, for example, just decided I'm going to delete them. That's how I deal with that. That's my boundary. Um, If people have questions, that's fine, but when people write nasty things to me or you know, just stuff that like has nothing to do with what I'm talking about, or frankly tell me I'm going to hell, which is a very common one, I delete those. Uh, some of you might be stronger stronger than I am and leave them there or even engage with people. I know folks love to do that because any comment does actually make your ad more successful um, because it's showing engagement. So some of you might be strong and might be able to leave them up. Maybe someday I will, <laughs> when someone's completely running my ads for me and I literally never see them. Um, but for now, I see those comments and they hurt my feelings because I'm a person. <laughs> Actual human being. Um, And to be so misunderstood sometimes is also kind of a core wound of mine. We talked about that in my uh, episode where I talked about um, giftedness. I still don't like that word. So being misunderstood is a core wound. When people leave comments on my ads that kind of show that level of misunderstanding, I just delete them. That's a boundary for me. So you can actually make a list, this can be an ongoing list, but I bet as I'm saying this, you you know. You know what the things are that get you going. I'm very fortunate in that um, you guys are all amazing, so in general, I have very few problems with my actual community members—the actual people who are engaging on my posts or sending me DMs or, you know, whatever. Like, and definitely not my actual customers, who are awesome. Y'all are like great, so I don't need a lot of boundaries around that. Um, I just have very basic ones in terms of communication workflow and, um, you know, what I'm personally available for versus what my company and, and thus my team is available for. But the interaction points where people can can get to you, you you need to know, make a list and notice your patterns of behavior there. Because it's not just about how you feel in the moment, it starts to erode your trust in yourself. And that is going to affect your business vision. So the second piece of this, though, is feedback that you actually do want, which is from your customers, or if you're doing market research of some kind um, with people that you are selecting to talk to. For example, at the end of my programs, people get a form now. Um, we use Airtable, which is a really great kind of a database software, but like very user friendly, that we use to collect feedback for our programs. We use it for a bunch of stuff. We use it to get testimonials. We use it for some other things. But we use it to get feedback. And initially, I used to see all that feedback directly. I would just see it in my email. Um, and even if it's constructive feedback uh, from customers who like our work, it can be really derailing to see um, because. We have to remember, first of all, that the people that leave feedback are generally either people who really love you or people who are really unhappy. <laughs> Most people don't leave feedback, not because there's anything wrong with your program or your work, but because they're busy or they forget or something like that. So we already know that the people who are willing to leave feedback are, are engaged with your business at a deeper level, which is good, but they're not necessarily representative of all of your customers. Um, but seeing that feedback constantly, even if it's feedback you want to collect, we'll talk about that in a second, you know, how to kind of manage this, it can also erode your trust in yourself, right? Um, I know something that I, I ran into for a while was people saying that they were looking for something or that they needed a certain thing and they actually hadn't asked for it and it did exist, right? So there was this disconnect in my user experience where people were feeling like they couldn't find this this resource that we actually had. And while that was really useful information, it helped me to, to reframe and redo some things in my programs, it was also deeply frustrating, and I was so sad because it was at the end. You know, I found out that problem after. This person hadn't told me, right? So those kinds of things can be a little emotional, um, emotionally deregulating, especially if you're someone like me who has a hard time with emotional regulation. So what do we do instead? have really clear boundaries around that as well. You can automate so much of this process. When people leave my programs, they actually get an automated email from us um, or an email that my team sends out that asks for their feedback and directs them where to give it. And then um, at this point, I have someone who helps me with this, but I would do it the exact same way, even if it were just me. Now we look at them once a quarter and um, my team members let me know if there's anything that they think that should be addressed. So they're actually kind of filtering it a little bit for me and it's we're working on it at a time when we're ready to actually address those problems. This will get into the creation phase in a second. But I would be doing it the same way even if it were just me, which is having specific times to go and look at the feedback that are literally on the schedule and you're like, okay, I am here in problem solving mode and I'm ready to look at this feedback. One last piece here, um, besides kind of scheduling that in and having clear boundaries about when you're getting it, is figuring out whether or not the feedback is actually valuable. Um, and I mean that like, you know, it's always valuable, like it's nice, especially if they're customers that people say things to you, but making sure that feedback is actually aligned with your vision. If you're going to take it, uh, for example, we had someone recently who left some feedback. I and mean, if you're listening to this, I appreciated the feedback, but you'll know, you're going to hear why I'm not going to do anything about it, who said that they wished my membership had more legal support, um, around like contracts and things like that. And well, I'm not a lawyer. Right, so I can appreciate that somebody wants that kind of support. Um, There are great lawyers. Catherine devos devine is my lawyer. Love Catherine. Joey Vitali is another great lawyer. They're both U.S.-based, but they work with small businesses, and uh, we can link them up in the show notes. And we actually do have a bonus training with Catherine that talks about contracts inside of HBA. But I can't provide a program that has legal advice. That would be completely unethical, and also, as a result, not part of my vision. I'm not a lawyer. So I I legally, I can't do that. That would be, that would be bad, (laughs) right? So I have to take this advice in and say, well, the, the emotional part of me is unhappy because I can't support this customer in this way. You know, I feel bad that they didn't get what they needed, that they wanted something that I can't give them. And there, you know, and there's a little bit of tension there, but we want to look at our feedback and also look at, well, what are your skills and what is your vision for your business? I'm not a lawyer, so we're not gonna have legal support inside of my program. That wouldn't, I mean, it wouldn't make any sense, right? So we have to take that feedback as you're scaling your business and make sure that it's actually aligned with where you're trying to go. And recognize that sometimes the feedback that you get is actually letting you know that you have a messaging issue up front. And people are joining your programs or buying your stuff and not finding what they need. That's usually because we've communicated something poorly. So it can be an information to make sure that the, those people actually don't buy it because it's not for them. I think when people come to HBA and uh, they don't like coaching calls. Well, um, that's like the primary thing we do there is coaching in the Facebook group and, and on our calls. And there's a lot of other resources. but if you don't find value in, in community in that way, it's probably not a good fit, to be honest, right? So we wanna make sure that the feedback that you're taking, that you're actually looking at it within the context of what you're trying to build. And that's why I find it so helpful to do that once a quarter, to make sure that we're looking at it in a way um, that is actually very solution-oriented, and when you're in a place where you can receive that information and make assessments about whether or not it actually pertains to the work. And if you don't have the ability to have like a team member or somebody filter it for you, just making sure that you're in the right place to do it, to be honest. Um, I think feedback is great, again, but I also know that a lot of us are very sensitive folk and it's kind of hard to read people say that they wish you were different, basically, than they wish your product were different. Um, and folks for whom it wasn't a good fit, it can be hard to kind of see what misunderstandings there were or misapprehensions. Uh, and then, as I said before, especially when you get feedback feedback. And it's too late to help somebody. That's what really kind of breaks my heart personally. But to make sure that you're actually looking at your vision. And if you find yourself starting to question, I'm not gonna lie, I had a moment where I was like, Oh, my God, am I supposed to find a way to provide legal support in this extremely inexpensive membership program. I was like, I like the idea, but um, I don't think this is reasonable. For me, somebody else, it might be fine. Um, The people I know who have memberships that offer legal uh, support of any kind are are multi hundred dollar memberships and are run by lawyers. That's just an example that stood out in my mind of something where I was like, "Ah, there's a misalignment between what this person needs and my vision. But it's important to take that step back and be like, does this actually have anything to do with what I want to be making? Because if we take every piece of feedback and we actually incorporate it, your vision is going to be lost. And this is a gentle um, kind of like push and pull between you and your customers, right? We've talked in previous episodes, and we go really in-depth in this Inside My Incubator program about crafting an offer, and one of the big mistakes people make when they're making an offer is that they make things that nobody wants, right? We make things because we think they're cool, um, and then we hope other people will like them, and that that's fine, but... The best offers solve a problem that our customers already have, right? Something that they they need help with. So with our business vision, there is a delicate dance between solving the problems that customers have, but we have to recognize that not all problems are yours to solve. It is not my my problem to solve this. the fact that this person wants legal support and a membership, right? I can't do that, it's not mine. So noticing the places where you want to take in feedback If you're anything like me, you probably beat yourself up a little bit. You're like, oh my God, I can't believe I can't solve all these people problems, right? Or or something like that. And that you are actually comparing it to the vision of what you're trying to create. And that as you grow, it's going to be more and more critical to be clear on what you actually want to create and to make sure the pieces of input that you're taking in are things that actually help that, okay? So the second piece of this is when you are creating things, right? This is a creation cycle. And the creation cycle, we can look at as a kind of like a circle in the way that I'm going to talk about it for business owners. This is very um, simplified for this idea of, of kind of getting feedback and also maintaining your vision. I like to break it up into different stages. And I have different behaviors in different stages of my creation cycle. So the first step in the creation cycle is the input phase or the research phase. Just like if you were going to write a paper, right? You're back in school. You know, you start with research. You start to gather and say, oh, uh, what are my customers talking about? What are people having troubles with? What are people saying they need? You know, um, maybe seeing, okay, uh, what, um, what topics are emerging, right? And then depending on the project, you might be doing actual research. Like, okay, maybe I need to research a software platform or I need to research more about herbs for this thing or you know whatever it is right that that research phase is the first point to get feedback from potential customers inside the incubator we actually do this in the pathway where we start testing content um, on social media and in our emails to see what people respond to we're getting feedback we're getting input um, before we kind of go all in on creating something but when you actually step into the place of creating it I strongly recommend that you stop the input. What this looks like for me is that I stop looking at any feedback, I'm not reviewing any feedback forms. I'm not checking any customer emails. All of that at this juncture is going through my team. And I understand that maybe we don't all have that. But like if I, before I had a team, I would be saving those things somewhere else and not dealing with them. (laughs) I mean, unless they needed a response, like, you know, for customer support, but I'm not doing that. Most critically, I am no longer researching. I am not looking at anything on social media, essentially, that has to do with my work at all. I will mute people whom I love, you know, who do similar things to me. I will... You know, and I'll unmute them later. Um, but I, I, I will kind of create a a code of silence, as it were, around myself or my creation because I've already done my my input. I've already I've already taken in the information. I've gotten the initial feedback. Now I need to make the thing. And this is important because that's where your vision starts to emerge. The ideation stage after you research is where you're going to begin to create new connections, new ideas to build upon the research that you've done and the feedback you've gotten already to make something new. Now, for something like the podcast, for example, um, I don't really have a very clear differentiation between these two because this is a little bit more off the cuff. But with the Holistic Business Academy um, 2.0, I have been basically on business shutdown. I am not paying attention to any business accounts. Um, Even my friends who run business accounts, Like I have not been looking at any of their stuff. Like really making sure that, and, and we did a big intake on feedback from our HBA members that I digested and processed and decided what to do with. And then I, I, I've done nothing with that, right? I am only in creation mode right now for HBA, which means that the work is stemming from that initial research, but also from my vision. You have to stop taking in things at some point and actually create the thing. So that goes back to our boundary conversation. What boundaries do you need? Maybe you're not on social media during that time. Maybe you don't let people DM you. Maybe you hire someone, you know, two or three hours a week to check your, your support inboxes so you don't have to do that, whatever, you know, that's, it doesn't have to be a lot um, to get some extra help. Um, or you just, you know, put up an autoresponder and say, hey, I'm not available right now <laughs> if you can do that, right, for, for your business. Because then you're working within the context of your vision. When you have made something though, then you come back and you put it out in the world. We're now in, uh, I mean, in a business, you're in the sales phase, right? Now you're selling it. (laughs) But we're also now back in an input phase, right? It goes input creation, input creation. We can kind of shove sales in there if you want. Once you start interfacing with your customers again, now you're getting input, now you're getting feedback. That's actually what a sales cycle is. You learn something about your customers, you make something for them, you try to sell it to them, and in the sales process, you get feedback. Sometimes that means no one buys the thing. That might mean that you are very clear on your vision, for example, um, but you didn't actually answer your customers' needs. Sometimes people buy it, uh, and but they give you feedback or the kinds of questions they ask you, ask you, let you know that you missed the mark somewhere. You're back in conversation again, but only after you have made the thing <laughs> or you've made an outline or you've made a commitment to what it is. Um, you know, if we're doing something like beta testing or, or the Bare Bones offer system that I'm putting into the new Holistic Business Academy, you know, it can be a little bit more challenging because you might be selling something before you fully made it. But you, you've built your idea, you've built your concept before you're putting it back out there. This enables us to ensure that we're actually working within our vision, our intuition, or our strength before getting feedback again. Think, you know for example if you're writing something you're let's say you're writing a book right at some point you're going to want feedback from other people but sending that first chapter draft to uh, to a friend may not actually get you the kind of feedback you need to complete your entire draft you might actually work on a draft or a larger section before getting feedback and really being ready to decide okay I'm ready to get feedback on this and then you might want to actually send it to like an editor or someone who is is skilled in that and can give you the proper feedback at the end of the day what we're really trying to get out here is that supporting your business vision does require some amount of actually frankly putting your head in the sand sometimes and in a world that is hyper connected and hyper aware it can be really hard to give ourselves the space to allow that actual ideation and creation to occur So you being clear on, first of all, what your boundaries are in terms of inputs, both from social media, from people you like, but also feedback, uh, whether from strangers from the internet or, or from customers and colleagues and friends and family and whatever, and dividing your work into phases where you are available to receive input and phases where you are not will help you to ensure that what you are making actually stays aligned with your vision as your business scales, because otherwise, you can be kind of eaten alive by by the feedback and the desires that people place on you. I say that's the last little bit I want to close with here, which is recognizing that as you grow, people are going to be asking you for more and more things. And some of them will be fantastic ideas, right? Like the legal thing. Actually, my friend Joey Vitali just opened a legal membership. So if you want one, go find him. He just started one for like, coaches and, and, and course creators and stuff. So you can go join, join Joey's membership because that's a great idea, right? To have, have access to kind of like uh, contracts and, and some support and things like that for a monthly fee. Brilliant, right? People are going to come to you with things that actually you're good at, too. I went through a period in my business where all anybody wanted from me was to run their Facebook ads. And I am good at Facebook ads, though I don't really like doing them, and I don't like doing my own, and I like paying somebody else to do them for me, so why would I do them for someone else? Even though I'm talented at it or skilled at it, it's not what I like to do. And... It was hard for a time for me to actually say no and say, I don't want to do that. I will talk Facebook ads strategy all day. We talk about that in the incubator. I like the strategy side of it, but I don't want to be a Facebook ads manager, even though that is frankly a very, if anybody wants a good business, Facebook ads manager, if you're good at your job, that is a lucrative business model. There you go. There's a business idea, (laughs) right? But even now you're going to be like, does that actually align with, with my vision? So more ideas will emerge. People will come to you with more problems. People will want you to do certain things. And as you move into the scaling phase, you no longer are going to have the time or room to customize solutions to every people you work with. That's actually what scaling is about in a large way: is no longer offering custom solutions. Custom solutions are not scalable. And you could do some of that work if you wanted to, but but that's not what we're talking about here today. So we have to have that filter of that alone time with our own brain to ensure that what we are making actually fits in with what we're trying to do. And that just because people are asking for something or giving us feedback or they want it from you, you know, that's something that uh, I think you'll hear a lot, is that, oh, well, a lot of maybe a lot of people offer herbal tinctures, but people want your herbal tinctures. As somebody who no longer makes herbal tinctures, I'll tell you that's true. I still get messages all the time of people asking me if I make my products anymore, and I don't, I haven't in a year and a half. At least, I mean, not for the public. So you know, I'm no longer a practicing herbalist in in any public way. And just because people ask me for that doesn't mean that's part of my vision. So noticing the places where people are saying, oh, it'd be so cool if you could do this thing, or I would love this for you, or couldn't you do a class on this? Or how, what about this? Is it actually something that fits in with your vision of a scaled business? Because if it's a no, then you got to let that idea go on to someone else. So I hope this has been useful to start to think about what you're actually trying to grow in your business as you scale it, recognizing that the inputs are going to be coming from every single side and that you, as the owner, as the visionary, have the job of making sure that you are steering the business where you want it to go. And that that likely means better boundaries with your communication with the wider world and clear cycles when you are not taking input from others and times when you are. If you are excited to scale your business and you want to refine your offers and reach more people and, uh, and, and practice some of this boundary work, then please do come and check out the Holistic Business Incubator. Um, this is my three-month program, as I mentioned at the top of this episode, where we go from idea to scalable sales system in 90 days. It is a very, is a fast-paced, passionate group experience where you will be tested, you will be pushed, and you will ultimately make a way for you to scale your business that has you being able to rinse and repeat your sales systems, to press play on launches and evergreen funnels, and to really build up an asset resource so you can sell effectively without having to be on all the time. holisticbusinessacademy.com forward slash incubator. I cannot wait to see you guys inside this program. We have such a great group coming together, and I would love for you to be a part of it if it's the right fit for you at this point on your journey. I will see you all here next week. Yeah! I hope you have a great weekend. Bye for now.